You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help. Hello. Oh, we were so good that on that was one. Completely synchronized. <laughs> so proud of you. We're gonna. We're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be a good episode. I can tell. Yes. One for the records. <laughs> well, I'm Pamela. And I'm Mariah. And this is a Salty Sex Cast. It is. And we're sexy and salty today. (laughs) Um, But we also have an awesome guest. Today we have Sheila in with us. Go ahead and say hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate you being here. So Sheila um, is a client of mine. So I've mentioned before that I, I own a boudoir photography studio. And um, Sheila did a session with us, and it was hot as fuck. Wouldn't you agree, (laughs) I would. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Um, But what makes Sheila so special is that she has an oxygen tank that she has to um, use all day, every day. Um, And so she, she has this, like, kind of, you know, this, this thing that creates this perception um, of her as a non-sexual being because she has this disability. So that's what we're going to talk about today is um, sex and disability. Yeah. And that, um, so I obviously wasn't there for the shoot, but I did see the product afterwards. And it was awesome. And I loved that um, it was just an accessory for this shoot. You know, it wasn't this... Um, your your oxygen wasn't um something that took away from it at all or distracted at anything at all from it so it was really cool i had said to the photographer matus that i wanted some pictures with the oxygen and some without because it is it's me 24 7 i have to wear it all the time Mm -hmm. so it's certainly not me to ignore it and not have any boudoir photos taken with it but he took it above and beyond what I thought would happen. I just thought, have it on for a few of the photos. No, he had me have it on. He had me have the tank. Um, by the time the shoot was done, I was a little bit in love with my oxygen tank. Yeah. <laughs> I have never felt, I know that I'm sexy, but feeling sexy with the oxygen on. Mm-hmm. And looking at those pictures is what really brought that home and really brought tears to my eyes when I looked at those photos. Mm. They were absolutely amazing. That is awesome. I love that. So tell us a little bit about your disability. Like how how did you come to have to have oxygen? I was told by a friend of mine that I had sleep apnea. And I said she was up in the night, but she's also, I'm a nurse and she's a nurse. And so I um, went and saw my doctor and got referred to a sleep specialist. And when I had, they sent me for an echocardiogram and it showed that I had what's severe pulmonary hypertension. And pulmonary hypertension is different than high blood pressure. It's the pressure from going in the pulmonary artery from your heart into your lungs is high. Mm. So my blood pressure is normal, but this 
pulmonary high, pulmonary pressure is very high. Mm-hmm. And that became evident in an echocardiogram, which then led me down a road of multiple other tests. Mm-hmm. And I have um, a really rare condition called um, CTEF, which is basically I have pulmonary hypertension, ah, sorry, pulmonary hypertension because of blood clots. But ultimately what was found was that I have an underlying autoimmune disease, disease that's really rare. It's called Takayasu's arteritis. Okay. Most doctors have only read about it in medical school, mm-hmm. let alone seen a case. And it's where the all your major arteries have inflammation in them. Oh, wow. And so mine has particularly affected my pulmonary system. And so those narrowings uh, are what caused the problem. The doctor isn't sure that it's blood clots now as much as it is, as it is from the Takayasu's. Mm. And so um, I've had an open heart surgery where they didn't operate on my heart. They took scar tissue and old clots out of my pulmonary artery. And that was pretty scary. And yeah. I had to go to San Diego to have it done. Uh, at the time, they weren't doing it in Utah. They are doing it at the U now. But mm. I had to go to San Diego. And there were, those are the doctors in San Diego that invented this whole oh, I see. surgery. So I was in the best of hands. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't cure it for me. It, it This is the only type of pulmonary hypertension that can be cured. But it didn't cure me. Um, I'm still having issues with it. So I've been on oxygen full-time for just over five years now. Okay. So you Um, have an intimate relationship with this accessory (laughs) that is always with you. Yes. And I kind of brought up the um, comparison to maybe like a type 1 diabetic who has like an insulin pump. You know, this is something you need all the time to stay alive. Um, You can take it off, obviously, to shower momentarily, things like that. But for the most part, it's with you. Um, And so that you're able to create this uh, sense of sexiness with a medical accessory. Um, How did that process look like for you from when you first had it, um, when you first started to have to wear this, um, and now... Did you feel sexy with it on? Yeah, how did it change things for you? What was that process for you? I didn't really feel sexy with it on. For a long time, I felt like it sort of was a barrier between me and other people in sexual situations. I have done all kinds of different internet dating and... I don't ever hide that I have it. Mm-hmm. It's in my pictures. I mention it. So I don't want anybody to be surprised that I, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to meet me and go, oh, she's got oxygen. Never mind, you know. Yeah. And so it was just kind of there. And honestly, I have to say, I didn't really feel sexy with it on until I had those photos taken. Wow. That sort of changed my perception of, wow, you know, I I love to breathe and (laughs) oxygen can be sexy, you know. So that's kind of where 
I sort of changed my attitude a little bit about it. And, and I've never really had anybody not want to be with me mm-hmm. because at least not that I've known. known. Yeah. Um, and so I've never had anybody not want to be with me. I, you know, nobody's ever said to me, well, I'm sorry, but I don't want to be with somebody with oxygen or whatever. So, um, and if they do, that's their own fault because I am damn sexy and I am damn good in bed with or without the oxygen. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. Um, so yeah, you, you said you didn't feel sexy with it on for a few years. Um, was there a learning curve, um, with sexual activity to have this? Oh, yes, um, there still is. Um, <laughs> it gets very intimate places sometimes where it needs not be. Just <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in cracks. Yeah. <laughs> under boob. Yeah, sometimes I can try to, um, so I can put it on so it goes behind my head okay. instead of in front. Uh-huh. And sometimes I try to do that with being intimate and sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not yeah sometimes it just gets in the way there have been times I've just thrown it off for a few minutes and I try not to do that because that ends up you know being more of a problem than anything because then I get really short of breath yeah but um for the most part it does there is a learning curve and I think that most people are willing to just work around however that has to be move it around you know push it out of the way whatever yeah have you ever been with someone with oxygen as well no i have not okay i'm just kind of curious because you i mean would be able to relate yeah you know you both you might get tangled though (laughs) that's true (laughs) might have to worry about that (laughs) but have you ever been with anyone with any kind of disability No, the only thing I can think of is I was with somebody one time that had a full cast on his leg. <laughs> but oh, that was a temporary yeah, disability. That was, yeah, that was a yeah. temporary disability. I guess I've just never looked at things as that's a problem. Yeah. So ha- has your experience with having to use oxygen changed the way that you perceive other people with disabilities? I think it it has uh, because I would not hesitate to look at somebody and be interested in them based on what would be a disability. Mm -hmm. Somebody in a wheelchair, somebody else with oxygen or something like that. But you said you found dating really challenging, right? Because other people have this preconceived notion of um, how how sexy you are or how you feel about sex or, you know, that just, that they don't see you as a sexual being. Is that right? Yeah, I feel that way sometimes. It's hard to know because a lot of people won't say, well, I'm not interested in meeting you because of your oxygen. Mm. Yeah. But um, when you are talking to somebody or chatting and um, I don't ever really know why if they don't want to meet. So, because right. they may just suddenly stop speaking to you, right? Like almost instantly. Are right. you pretty forward with your sexuality on your on your uh, online sites? Yes, so- I often say that um, 
that my lungs need a need a little bit of assistance, but the rest of me works just fine. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, because it's true. Yeah, that's very that's very cool of you. I think that's awesome. So. I think it's definitely something you know to always consider, and and I'm sure, you know, if anyone could ask you questions, um, without being worried of like offending you or just like just curious have you had someone maybe come up to you out of nowhere and ask you about it and you appreciated the way they did or would you rather have someone ask you a different way I get asked all the time mm-hmm. I'll be at a, a party or something and somebody will say why do you mind if I ask why are you on oxygen mm-hmm. and um, I would rather somebody ask me than just assume I've never been a smoker in my life, mm. so um, when I first was diagnosed, I was pretty pissed off about the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, understandably. You know, why do I, Why am I the one that got stuck with oxygen when I didn't even smoke? Mm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we don't pick what comes in our lives, and so I appreciate when people ask. I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. I've never had anybody ask it in a rude way. Um, it's more of just an interest yeah. and I don't mind, I'm pretty much an open book, so I don't mind explaining to somebody that I've got a couple of really rare conditions and that's. You mentioned that you were a nurse too, right? Yeah. Which means you're a little bit of an educator as well. Oh yes. That's, that's one of the things I loved most about being a nurse is teaching. That's awesome. And educating people. So to me, when somebody asks, um, I really like to discuss it. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, the first step in having that good intimate relationship with any, you know, difference in general is that openness from the get-go. I want to ask you instead of, um, you know, maybe we're in a relationship and then I'll be like, so why are you on oxygen? Wouldn't it be awkward? I don't know. Yeah, I think it yeah. would be awkward for me. I'd Absolutely. be like, why you? It's like, how long have you been... Like hanging out with this person and you forgot to like ask their name and you're like, oh crap, it's past the point now. (laughs) I just got to try to squeeze it out somehow. I'm like, oh, so how do you spell that? But you know, that's why I'm kind of curious if it's just easier to kind of get that out of the way early and then it starts that honest, open, comfortable flow of conversation where you can be open Mm -hmm. and intimate. And I think that's, yeah. That reminds me of being asked, by the way, you are on birth control, right? after the deed was done oh, <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> that happened a lot of times in the past you know yeah. and it's like uh you're asking now really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so what were some other um challenges you may have found for yourself with this you know oxygen it has made it so i can't be as spontaneous about mm-hmm. sex because I can't meet somebody and decide that I want to go home with them that night or whatever Mm -hmm. because I have equipment that has to go with me. I can't just spend the night anymore. I rarely will go anywhere where I have to spend just one night. That's it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. to haul my oxygen concentrator, my BiPAP machine. It's just a lot of work. And so I just generally don't do that. And I don't mind if somebody comes to my house. Mm -hmm. I have everything there. Um, 
But again, you know, somebody wants to spend the night. It's like, well, I have to wear this thing at night. You know, this little machine that helps me in case I quit breathing. And and um, the first time I had somebody spend the night with me, I had just barely gotten it. And I didn't wear it that night because I was really embarrassed. Oh, okay. But then after that, I decided, you know what? It's important that I breathe. Yeah. <laughs> So <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and wear it. And after that, I kind of just, I'm not embarrassed anymore. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. And once you kind of come out of the closet, once I put up on Facebook something about being on a CPAP or a BiPAP machine, oh my gosh, people came out of the woodwork. Lots of people that I didn't know were on CPAP machines mm -hmm. are on CPAP machines. So it's, it's pretty common. Yeah. And so that really made me feel like, oh, there's a lot of us out there. So I really don't need to be embarrassed or whatever. It's just one of those things that it's just a part of, it's a part of life. It's a part of me. I'm yeah. a big cuddler. Does the CPAP make it uh, difficult to cuddle or do you just, it's sort of like working around the tube? When you're um, having sex, you just kind of make little adjustments and you're okay to go? I don't wear the CPAP when I'm having sex. No, I mean, yeah, I meant but, afterwards. But to cuddle afterwards, you know, if somebody wants to cuddle, then I will um, just cuddle and then switch it to the machine when we're done cuddling. Mm. Okay. Or if I've already put the machine on, then and they want to cuddle, that's fine. Mm hmm um, it's all just around my head, so it usually doesn't really get in the way. Perfect. Um, so unless we're face to face, then it might be kind of a an issue. But to spoon or something is no not big a deal. Problem at all. Mm -mm. That's awesome. Yeah. No. Mm. Have you ever used it as a, a you know? Because I'm looking at the tubing and I'm like, oh, I wonder if the, how that feels. You like whip someone with that? <laughs> you ever spank anybody with your oxygen? Yeah, because you know it's or kind of that. Be kind of cute. Or maybe I'm, like just put it around I there. My boyfriend's coming over more. later this week. I'm gonna <laughs> have to try that. No, I've not thought of that. <laughs> I just you know like use it to yeah. wrap them up. Yeah, be a little naughty. Well, no, I've not, but I'm. May just go. You guys have great ideas. <laughs> Use it as one of those Please. accessories. You're not absolutely. Yeah. Please Use report it. back. Please. I will. <laughs> so, are you in any kind of support group or anything like that um, to help you meet other people that are struggling with the same things? Not really. I have been in a couple of support groups as far as with the pulmonary hypertension the u has a monthly thing that you can go to and i've gone to that for information mm -hmm. uh there's a international conference on pulmonary hypertension coming up in june in anaheim and i applied for a scholarship and i got it so they pay oh. my registration my transportation and a hotel room for the two nights of the conference oh, that's i'm so nice. hoping it doesn't get canceled yeah. yeah because it will be really my first experience of meeting people in that have my same disease mm -hmm. there are online facebook has multiple groups mm -hmm. uh, that i have joined and those have been really really helpful because when you're feeling 
alone or struggling, there's always somebody to talk to that really gets it because they have the same thing. I'm in a couple of groups for the pulmonary hypertension and one also for the Takayasus. And if nothing else, it makes me realize how blessed I am mm. because I don't have as many problems as many of them do. Mm. And so it's, on one hand, it's it's a club you don't want to belong to. Yeah. <laughs> and yet on the other hand, it's it's really nice to be able to offer support, ideas, suggestions to other people. Yeah. It's also nice, because I am a nurse, that I can give a little bit of advice, you know, medically, and share our experiences, you know, share our experiences with the surgery to people who are getting ready to go mm-hmm. have surgery yeah. and, you know, telling them what helped you and what didn't help and what you need to take to the hospital. And yeah. so those kinds of things are really, really nice. How often does like intimacy come up in those groups or sex or anything, any questions pertaining to that? Not that often. They yeah. do sometimes. People mm-hmm. will say, you know, I'm really struggling with Number one, fatigue is a huge problem when you have a chronic illness. People don't realize that um, when I go to the grocery store, I ride the cart not because I can't walk the store. I can walk the store. It's because I try to save energy. If you've heard of the spoon theory, you get up in the morning, you have 10 spoons. For a normal person, it probably only takes half a spoon to shower get dressed and another half for breakfast. So you have your spoons all day long, but when you have a chronic illness, just getting out of bed can take a spoon. Mm. Showering can take three or four. So you so don't if you want to be intimate that night. You got to save those spoons. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. dealing with being fatigued and having a partner who also has needs and you know, sometimes you want to be intimate, but you're just too tired and So it does get brought up on occasion, Mm -hmm. and people do offer suggestions and and ideas and ways to maybe be intimate that are a little less taxing, a little less stressful, Mm -hmm. and letting people know that you're not the only one. Yeah. Are there any support groups out there specifically for, you know, sex and, and disability? I don't know if there are or not. I've never never really looked looked to see. Uh Uh-uh. No, I don't. I think that there's so many disabilities out there that, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in a one way, we're all, we all have the same struggles. It's just in dealing with, you know, dealing with my oxygen tubing versus maybe dealing with an insulin pump or, prosthetic leg or something yeah prosthetic legs or an ostomy or something that you know all of those things are barriers to people wanting to feel like they're sexy or wanting to have sex so what like what would you recommend that that people do wait can can we cut this because i'm i'm sounding like an idiot here i I need to get my thought (laughs) (laughs) Like, how how would you tell someone without a disability um, to kind of change their perception um, 
or, or how would you help us to see people with disabilities um, and actually see the person and not their disability? For one, getting to know them, not putting them out of the category of this could be my friend or this could be my lover mm. because you don't ever know. And sometimes by getting to know somebody, they become more sexy to you. Yeah, And so I think true. just not dismissing somebody because they have a perceived disability. Mm -hmm. Sometimes disabilities are, you can't see them. Yeah. But somebody else may have something that is difficult for them to bring up or talk about. So I think that it's important to not just dismiss people, to not assume that, oh, they're not sexual because they are disabled. Mm -hmm. uh, there may be some people who aren't anymore. Just like in any case, you know, some people when they get 50, 60, they're not interested in sex anymore. Other people are going at it in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. I mean, I was a home care hospice nurse, and there were many patients in some <laughs> of the facilities that they told you, make sure you knock before you go in. <laughs> so, Good you know, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so really. I know it gives me hope. <laughs> right. So, you know, don't just assume that because somebody is disabled in some way that they don't want to be sexual. I saw this, um, God, I am having, I, I think that Mariah may have given me her anomic, anomic aphasia, aphasia. <laughs> because I am really like struggling today. Um, <laughs> what's it called? A documentary. Okay. So I saw this documentary once and, um, I can't remember exactly what it was about, but I do remember part of it. Um, this sex worker worked specifically with people with disabilities and um, some of these people had such severe disabilities that they weren't really able to have like a normal sexual relationship with another person um, but they still had the desire there for that touch and that intimacy and so this was a service that this this person provided to those kind of people um, who had those struggles and it was an incredibly beautiful thing like I was just blown away by um, just the relationships that they built and the compassion they had for each other it was it was very sweet you mentioned spoons one of the things that I thought about talking about was a, a Twitter account uh -huh. um, the one that I mentioned was uh, is probably not a good resource anymore but there's one that used to be called spoons for sex Oh. Uh, and her, her Twitter handle is at batteries for sex. <laughs> and that's a great resource. I think anybody who has any kind of a chronic illness or disability to go to, she's constantly talking about changes that she, you know, adjustments mm -hmm. she's had to go through and, and friends of hers that chronic illness. Yeah. Yeah. Tackling yes. sex with a chronic illness. Yeah. So, cause it doesn't change that desire. No, it doesn't. And, and yeah. we all have a need to be touched and, as we grow up, you know, when you're little kids, you can just climb in your mom's lap and get held. And and as we get older, we just assume that, you know, we're getting enough or whatever, when really we're not. And if you're perceived as disabled, then you may get less than other people do. And so I think it's, I've seen that same documentary, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. 
and um, it's amazing how we do still have that need we do still have that desire and if you have questions ask mm -hmm. what have you found yeah. is the easiest or how do you how do we move navigate. around your yeah mm -hmm. how do we navigate your oxygen tubing or uh, you know I occasionally will have an issue if somebody's on my chest too much if there's oh, too much pressure on my yeah. chest um, and I just push them off you know a little bit and and I'll let people know that, you know, if I push you up, that means I'm getting too much pressure on my chest. And so it's, you have to not be afraid to communicate. You have to be able to yeah. ask what, how do we work around this? Yeah. And be willing parties to fumble <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And learn together, you know, because I'm sure the first few times that you realized that that was kind of a hard thing with like, pressure on your chest or whatever uh -huh. was that something you immediately said or were you like oh I'll kind of wait and make wait till it's really bad you know or something but at first I used to kind of wait till it was really bad mm -hmm. but now I'm kind of at that point where once I know it's getting there it's and I can see it's gonna continue I just yeah. kind of have them lift up a little bit or whatever yeah and you know Sometimes it's funny. If you're not laughing when you're having sex, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, there are funny incidences that happen because you get it tangled or whatever. And so you have to laugh about it. I mean, oh, that's... Yeah. yeah. You have to have a sense of humor about yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> that was always kind of... Um, <laughs> Sheila, do you feel like having this disability has actually created this opportunity for you to, like, vet people? So that, um, you know, you're able to find partners who actually see you for you. Because I think that's a problem we all have to some degree. I think it's just more severe for people who have really obvious disabilities or, you know, something. Um, that, like, we all want to be uh, seen for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we want people to love us for more than the way we look or, you know, what our bodies can do even um but but it it seems like if you have this this disability then um you're kind of like eliminating all of the assholes that only care about that you know i think that a lot of it is for one thing i'm i don't keep it a secret yeah so if i'm on a on a dating site i have a picture with the oxygen i mention it um, if I, I do like to talk to people so that, um, I can get a sense of how they feel about it or, you know, do they consider to, do they ask inappropriate questions or do they, you know, if, if somebody jokes about it, that's one thing I can, I can handle that, but are they being cruel with the joke or are mm. they, you know, uh -huh. you can you can pick up a lot from people and there are people out there who just aren't interested yeah and that's their problem not right. mine you know so I, I learned long ago that I think I'm just great the way I am and if somebody doesn't if somebody doesn't like me that's their problem it has nothing to do with me personally and I'd what? rather know now than waste my time right hey, yeah exactly yeah right. what so what's an example of an inappropriate question that someone's asked you. Have we done it? I might have, have done yeah. it. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. I, 
I don't know that I've ever had anybody ask me an inappropriate question. It's interesting when I'm like in a store and little kids will kind of start staring at me and I'll just say something to them. Are you looking at this? Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And I'll just say, you know, I don't breathe very well sometimes, so I have to have a little help. This gives me extra oxygen. And, and sometimes the parents just look at me and walk away. And other times they'll engage. Yeah. And one mom recently, she had two kids with her, and um, she said, yeah, kind of like when you have to get your breathing treatment. Mm-hmm. And so, no, you, you know, made she, it relatable. She, yeah. yeah, she mm. made it relatable to the one. There were two of them, and one of them was a little older than the other one, and that's the one that was asking the questions. And mm-hmm. so to me, that's to me, that's just educating your children. It isn't, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm perfectly happy to, to explain to people. It's, it's if your kid looks at me and asks a question or says, what's that? And then you just drag him down. Try to shuffle them away. Try to shuffle them away because I don't have a problem with it. And also I think if somebody were to say, well, how much did you smoke? Or, you know, like, uh, you know, it doesn't, Making not everybody assumptions. who wears oxygen smoked. So, you know, yeah. there are other reasons that, that you have to wear it besides a smoking history that has yeah. thus caused, you know, lung disease. So well, I think the huge one, just like you said, not making the assumptions, because I think some people see, um, you know, especially men in wheelchairs or, you know, and they're like, oh, can it, does it even work? You uh-huh. know, and I think that question oh. is one that they get off, asked often. You know, because it's probably not educating your kids when they did see that and kind of, you know, like, hey, you know, this person. And there's so many different reasons people are in wheelchairs kind of thing. It's not all because um, anomic aphasia. Yep, what's the word? Anyway. Paraplegic. I was like, I'll get there. Hold on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think there's that time where you can educate people so they're right and then it lessens those uncomfortable awkward questions completely right. and, and, and inappropriate questions um you know i was just uh because isn't it if you this is my ignorance coming through i'm so sorry i'm apologizing now if like if i were to have oxygen wouldn't it kind of give me a high because it's pure oxygen because i don't need if it you had it yeah I think that's a myth perpetuated is by it? that movie, yeah, uh, Fight Club. So too. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I, I, I wonder if someone would be like, can I use it or something? Oh, I had people ask if I share. Oh. You know, so kind of joking, you know. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, and we have one cannula, sorry, you know. <laughs> and I have. Been up had, my nose, you don't yeah. want it. <laughs> and I have had people, um, I was at an event one time and somebody, there was going to be a possible overnight thing and somebody said well I'd have to not sleep by Sheila because her machine bothers me Mm. so when I have this so when I'm with my oxygen tank and I'm out and about it only gives me oxygen when I breathe in Mm -hmm. so Mm. I don't know if you can hear that Mm -hmm. or not but it's subtle but so yeah so it only gives me oxygen when I breathe in that way the tank lasts longer because if it ran continually I'd it'd be out in probably an hour so I can go about three and a half to four hours and it does make a noise, you know, and 
I'm sorry if that bothers you, but I have to breathe. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and when I'm at night. It's not very have, noticeable. No, it really isn't. Really but some people, if you're really sensitive with hearing things, I guess. And, you know, I was actually considering going to the overnight thing. And after that, I was like, no, never mind, not doing that. Mm. And um, I just feel like I have to breathe. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> if if the noise bothers you, and at night my BiPAP machine is really quiet. Isn't it a constant hum? It's kind of more what it, and then it has like that ebbs and flows. Um, a little bit, but it's... Okay. It, I think the machine's really quiet. I've never mm. had anybody say anything about it unless it's not working up like if I forget to hook the oxygen into it then it makes a lot of noise and I was in Vegas one time with a girlfriend and she's like I can't sleep I'm like, I don't know what's wrong and then I figured it out so uh, but um now the oxygen machine can be noisy yeah and I try to put that in another room the uh, one that gives me oxygen at home all the time and that just gives me oxygen all the time there isn't the the sound mm. that you know that I get when I wear this so oh, okay it's just you know it's just part of and, and like I said I don't ever have a problem if somebody asks about it or you know if if it bothers you move away go sit somewhere that's the only time I've ever had anybody even mention that it bothered them mm. it so. sounds like they were just making the assumption based off of what you currently have with you yes where it kind of you get that little yeah when you breathe right and they probably weren't thinking that you might bring the the equipment the uh CPAP yeah, I would machine have, or yeah, the bipap machine yeah i can't sleep with this because when you sleep you don't breathe deep yeah. enough mm -hmm. that it would it won't activate it, it won't activate it so yeah i have woke up in the middle of the night with the power going off mm. and so then i have to go out to my shed and grab one of the tanks I've got bigger tanks that last about seven or eight hours, and so then I can put that on a continuous mm. and then, you know, do that. Yeah. But, again, it's, you know, fortunately, the one time I had to do that, the power was only out about three hours. So it, it wasn't too bad, but, yeah, so. You mentioned yeah. jokes. Um, mm -hmm. People, you know, you could tell if they were uh, being funny. Mm -hmm. And sort of supportive versus being cruel. Mm -hmm. I was just curious if you remember your funniest one that you've ever heard. Not to put you on the spot. Not really. I don't. Okay. No, I don't think that it's. I can't remember anything specifically. Okay. So that's all right. I just love humor, so I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd ask. You see, you're a very humorous person, so I just kind of wanted wanted to prod. So, uh, Sheila. What do you wish, um, like what kind of services do you wish were, were available to you or like support groups or other things? Like what, what kind of change would you like to see in the world for people who have disabilities who also want to have a sex life? I think I wish people just didn't always assume something. Ask, talk to somebody. If, you know, if you meet somebody and they're in a wheelchair um, and you're interested in them, you know, once you've kind of chatted a bit, <clears throat> you know, ask if they, are you sexual? Do you, you know, even paraplegics, there are ways that they can have, Yeah. Oh yeah. you know, there are, 
I learned that when I was, you know, working. I worked on a medical floor and we had a young guy. Oh, he was just handsome as all get out and <laughs> came flying down the thing, you know, down the aisle and I helped him. <laughs> and he, um, his girlfriend would come over and they'd put up the do not disturb treatment in progress. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and um, one day I went in the room uh, and he looked at me and he goes, I have to ask you a question, Sheila. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I need you to do me a favor and I need you not to ask about it. And I'm like, okay. And he's <laughs> like, see that over there? I need you to hand it to me. And so I picked it up and handed it to him and it was a prostate massager. So, uh, but I didn't ask. I, you know, I was <laughs> just kind of like, okay, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> the life of a nurse. Uh-huh. You're not going to see and hear it all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely lots of ways that, you know, I mean, life without sex, it's a very sad life in my (laughs) own biased, very, very biased opinion. Mm -hmm. So to have, you know, you do get to be creative in that way of, you know, if it were an insulin pump, you know, okay, so I can't quite straddle you this way because it's right there on your hip, you know, so maybe we're going to try a new position or something. You kind of have to get... Um, and have a partner that's willing to uh, be creative and get, um, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Creative. Anomic yep. aphasia. Guys, that's rough <laughs> today. Um, but yeah, just, just being creative and willing, willing mm-hmm. to experiment and, and find the fun things. That's why I was like, oh, man, I would have like used that to yeah. tie someone up. <laughs> Well, and ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're thinking about being intimate with somebody and say, you know, what have you found that works or doesn't work or what, you know, does it get in your way or, you know, how do you work around that pump or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, if people would just, re- for me, sex is as important as eating and breathing and yeah. water. I mean, that's, that's. <laughs> it's very important to me and when I'm not sexual when I'm celibate for whatever reason there's a light that dims in me Mm -hmm. and I decided quite a few years ago that I was not gonna put up with that anymore that there's nothing wrong with saying that hey look I'm I'm a woman and I like sex and I'm gonna have sex and I'm gonna have sex with who I want when I want where I want Mm -hmm. and so it's uh, you know just to assume that because somebody has an injury where they've you know have a disability of some sort or they wear oxygen or whatever just to assume that they're not sexual yeah is not really the right assumption so you mentioned um being on support groups and every once in a while you know a sexual question will kind of come up um remind me of the name of the heart uh, illness or disability you have so I have pulmonary hypertension thank you as well as Takayasu's arteritis okay so the pul- pulmonary hypertension <laughs> good job Brian. yeah good so job. proud of myself <laughs> um you know has any of the men who've been on those support groups talked about their ability to ha- hold an erection because if it affects your arteries and blood flow and Anything like that? I have you not know? heard. I'd be curious. Uh-uh. Mostly what, from what I've heard is women asking about 
um, them wanting their their men you know how do they how can they please their man or how can they have the energy mm. I don't know that I've ever seen a man ask or volunteer any information that would about. be hard yeah and I mean yeah. we've even veered from calling it um, uh, well impotency is that the right mm-hmm. word and now you know it's not that it is erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. because you know that kind of takes away from the manlyhood of you know what sex could be kind of thing but um so just kind of i would imagine it would be hard to put that information on there but it would be interesting to see how how many people do struggle with Mm -hmm. that with a quick look on google yeah shows a link between arterial hypertension i haven't found anything that ties it to pulmonary oh okay well it, it's called pulmonary hypertension or pulmonary arterial hypertension. Oh, okay. So maybe there is a so connection the, between the two. There is a connection, yeah. Okay. Thank you, health educator. <laughs> Thank you. And also, yes. you know, I have to say that I have had some pretty damn hot sessions with men who had erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But we still had a damn good time. Yeah. So if you're willing to look at options and to understand that there's a lot more to being intimate with somebody than just um, intercourse so to speak Mm -hmm. that you can still satisfy both partners yeah without having you know an erect penis so I think that again we need to get away from that Again, that's assuming. Assumption, yeah. Uh-huh, that, you know, if somebody's older, <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, I've met lots of men that are older that are very, you know, willing even to give themselves a shot in the penis to, yeah, wow. you know, make them get erect. And so I think that we need to look at everything and say, well, okay, so are you a sexual being? Mm-hmm. And some people may not be at a certain point. I've got friends that are just perfectly happy, yeah, not having sex, and that's just fine with them. And sure. so, and that's an option too. Or people who are asexual, and if that's where you're at, that's that's the way to be. Whatever it works for you. And mm-hmm. so, just don't make those assumptions because somebody's disabled that they're not a sexual being. Yeah, I think that's the definitely the the theme of the night (laughs) (laughs) for sure um so i really appreciate you sharing all those details and everything with us and um you know it's just something that unless you have experienced it or been with a partner um it's kind of out of you don't think about it and even how you accept anybody off the street who looks different or maybe has that visual disability um that acceptance there you know, it starts there, and then you feel better about yourself, and then you can be more. I mean, I feel if I'm not confident with myself, it's very hard to be intimate with another person, and that yeah. looks like anything, you know. Um, so it's just really interesting to see that perspective. So I appreciate you sharing. You bet. I wish that more doctors and clinics would be willing to talk to their clients about their sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've never had a doctor talk to me about being sexual with oxygen, Mm. you know. So I think that, um, you know, if if that was part of the conversation when 
you have a disability, you get a pump. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doc, you know, why can't they ask you about that? And yeah, cause they tell you about food and yeah. you know, sleep and how that might change that. But just sex is just important as all right. of It is, know? but but it's not really talked about a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's because they're uncomfortable. Let's change um, the conversation. Yeah, let's mm. let's make that conversation a little more pertinent to you know that person and I joke and I'm not really joking but I say when I can't have sex or dance anymore I'm going on hospice and getting the morphine because (laughs) I just to me those are my joys in life yeah and so you know I I was a hospice nurse I took care of many patients with end-stage lung diseases and so I know how I don't want to be and so I think that it is important that you talk to people about if you have a question ask your doctor I think let's challenge all the listeners the next time you go to your doctor what for whatever it is maybe not your dentist but like your doctor (laughs) try to bring up sex somehow Uh ask about what's going on you know what looks healthy whatever just Uh let's start that conversation and make it more of the reminder that that is part of should be part of a consistent practice absolutely hey when this coronavirus pandemic is over with do you want to go dancing i'll go dancing with you absolutely okay (laughs) i'll be in touch absolutely you got it i want you to show show me some moves all right yeah i can show you some moves yeah i need to i think i need to to brush up because i think my wife would like to do a little more dancing so yeah my moves aren't as quick as they used to be (laughs) that's okay that's okay yeah but i about a year and a half ago, well, it'll be two years in May, I broke my neck in a car accident. Oh, geez. And I shouldn't have survived, but I did. And I remember I had to get out. Like, I couldn't drive for about 14, 15 weeks. Uh-huh. And so I was very socially isolated. And my girlfriend down in southern Utah called and said, hey, our band's playing up in um, Brian Head. You want to go? And I'm like can't drive how am I getting so I literally with my neck brace on I got in my I packed a little bag and I had her pick up oxygen in St. George for me she met me in Cedar City and I rode the shuttle to Cedar City and we went up to Brian Head and I'm still I was probably only I'm guessing eight weeks out from having had my accident And I'm up there, and I'm the one out there dancing with my oxygen and my neck brace. (laughs) And just, you know, I wasn't dancing very much, but I was moving my feet a little bit, and I was kind of getting into it, you know. That is awesome. But that's how how important it is to me. I just, it makes me feel alive. So sex and and dancing are joys, and they make you feel alive. So that's important, yeah. That's fabulous. I'm excited. Consider it a date. Okay, you got it. So, <laughs> just so long as I can outrun your boyfriend. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Brady. Not a problem. I just want to make sure. Yeah. You can bring your wife too. I'm good with that. Okay. <laughs> she likes to dance. She might All steal right. you away from me. That's okay. okay. You never know. Perfect. <laughs> Women are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> thank you so much for being brave and coming out and sharing this message with people because i don't think it gets talked about enough 
I don't think so. it does either. And that was why I was open to doing it and just feel like if people can understand and, and hear it for themselves, then maybe if one or two people look at people differently, that would be great. Yeah. Well, you're an inspiration. Thank Happy you so much. You. Yeah, thank you. I look you. forward to your TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming out to the Texas Chainsaw Studios. Hooper Chainsaw. Hooper. <laughs> That's what I wrote down was Hooper Chainsaw. Hooper Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Fabulous. I love it. Um, well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please, 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 if you like this podcast, if you love this podcast, which I wouldn't, you know, I mean, if you even found one thing worth your time to listen <laughs> or just one episode that you liked, um, please share, share our podcast with your friends. We really didn't make this for all of us to sit here and talk amongst ourselves. We didn't? No. I, I, I mean, we could have done that without right. microphones. That's not why we're okay. Well, anyway, we messages to share, and we want people to be educated about um, sexual health and how different it can be for everybody. So yeah, absolutely. Um, please find our Patreon page. You yeah. guys talked a little bit about about that in the last episode. Yeah. Um, so there's a way that you can be part of our community on a deeper level and support us and um lots of fun things coming with that exclusive content things like that so um yeah, just find us on patreon.com forward slash salty sex cast um and then you can also tweet at us right twitter us <laughs> twitter us tweet i don't know at salty sex cast um and you can always just Go ahead and email us at saltysexcast at gmail.com. We got lots of fun questions through the, our our mailbag or <laughs> in there. <laughs> um, and comments and things. That's, I mean, that's the time that you can interact with us and share things as well. We love to hear back from our listeners. Um, really helps make sure that our our message is actually landing. So absolutely, we appreciate that feedback. Yeah. All right, guys. Till next time. Stay sexy and salty. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And what's puberty? Puberty. Well, puberty's a lot of things. Here's the piece. When you hear about it first, it sounds very strange. Oh, if it really bothers you, you should see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work and our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself. And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.